You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. Um, This is the first podcast that I am doing from my new home office. As you know, if you listen to this podcast, I have been... uh, pushed out of my uh, the, where I was living before and uh, by these mudslides that happened in Montecito. And then we just ended up moving to a place up uh, up in Santa Barbara that uh, sort of away from the action and the place is big enough. So I just moved the office into the house. And so now I am coming from the home office in Santa Barbara, California. Uh, so this is the inaugural show for that. Um, before we start, I do want to point out a couple things. There is a new wealthformula.com uh, website, which you want to check out, and I'd love to hear your comments on it. It's I think it's pretty cool. And um, on that, of course, uh, you have the opportunity to still download my book, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth, which was an Amazon bestseller and can be yours simply by downloading the PDF format and reading it. And so check that out. Also, would like to give a shout out to our sponsor, American Homeowner Preservation, George Newberry's group. They are a fantastic business. What they do is they buy failing mortgages for pennies on the dollar turnaround and with investor money, buy these uh, from banks and keep people in their homes for basically a rent-to-own option, renegotiated mortgages for these people, keeps them in their home, makes you money as the investor. Right now it's 12%, but he's going to go down to 10 pretty soon. So if I were you and you and I was interested, I'd get in now. I've been an investor for a while. Love it. Check it out. ahpfunding.com. Now, as for today's show, I was thinking about this <clears throat> recently. You know, Ray Dalio, uh, legendary hedge fund manager and really overall smart guy. He has a, a great book out right now, which the name eludes me on, but he's got a great book out there. I think it's Principles. Yeah, Principles. You know, he's been, for the last couple of years, predicting what he calls a a financial winter. And he's been talking about that for the last couple of years. And, you know, he's looking at the same things that I look at and that I talk about on this show, you know, the obvious stuff, near zero interest rates for a decade, lots of money printing, ballooning asset prices, quadrillion dollar derivative markets. Listen, neither Ray Dalio nor I are doom and gloom guys. We're just not. Um, but we're, we're, what we're talking about are just the facts or what were the facts at least, because then something happened. You see, America got trumped. America got trumped. The stock market took off again. Asset prices got even fatter. And to top it off, the new tax bill creates the biggest tax cuts for corporations and wealthy individuals since 1986. The result? We ain't going to be seeing winter anytime soon. Uh, You know, this is like the financial global warming, right? That is unless there is some sort of black swan event like, for example, say a nuclear nuclear conflict with North Korea or something like that. And, you know, I was thinking about this. And, of course, I'm no Ray Dalio, but uh, great minds think alike, as they say. 
Ray Dalio was on TV the other day. I saw him, and he echoed the same sentiment. He said, over the next couple of years, uh, that money on the sidelines, sitting on the sidelines, waiting, waiting. If you're one of those people, you're going to feel pretty foolish. And uh, I agree with that. You know what? The floodgates just opened up to massive economic growth and optimism. So what am I going to do? I'm investing and trying to find solid opportunities for me and my investor club. I'm never going to sit on the sidelines anyway. Listen, uh, something's always for sale. I've talked about this before. There's always something for sale. Right now, for example, uranium's for sale if you want some. Um, and if you want no correlation with the markets at all, there's always life settlements. And, and I've talked about that asset class many times if you are still nervous about what's going on. Um, you know what? Uh, Ray Dalio was saying that he felt like this whole thing probably is timed out because of interest rates catching up with, uh, with the explosion probably uh, toward the end of the Trump administration. Um, you know, so that, that presumably we have a little bit of time here to make hay. But, you know, if you're still if you're still nervous about it, which I get it, there's still no reason to sit on the sidelines. There's always something either not correlated or for sale. So make sure you get off the sidelines. That's the moral of the story. But I will say that I believe that market exposure uh, and I'm talking about the equity markets, you know, the the things that I don't generally like. I don't think exposure to it is terrible right now. I mean, uh, especially in certain contexts. Now, put double-digit gains in a product like Velocity Plus that we've been talking about that allows you leverage on your gains but no downside, and boom, you're going to make money. I mean, it's just uh, it's, it's a good time to do something like that. Of course, I like protecting my downside, so that's a nice product for that. Anyway, point is, we live in interesting times. And that is actually a uh, Chinese curse. Uh, <laughs> so whether you like it or not, we live in interesting times. So, uh, so for better or for worse, make it work for you. Now, our guest today, my guest today, Kenneth Amaduri, uh, has been doing just that as a professional investor and as an entrepreneur for, for uh, a number of years. And this guy's only 30 years old and has already become a multimillionaire. And he's a guest on this uh, week's Wealth Formula podcast. Make sure to check this out, folks. When we come back, we're going to discuss everything from gold to cryptocurrency and AI. Check it out. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest is uh, Kenneth Amaduri. Uh, Kenneth is a uh, smart business guy, for sure. And he has... Uh, He's been concerned about the flaws in the financial system uh, since an early age. I mean, he's, he's already uh, he's already a young guy as it starts, but and that uh, foresight early on led him down the path of investing in alternative assets such as real estate, precious metals, and and now cryptocurrency. Sounds uh, a little bit like me. He's also an active uh, entrepreneur, and he's uh, been involved with launching multiple highly successful companies. And his uh, business savvy and investing savvy has resulted in him becoming a multimillionaire before the age of 30. And to share his knowledge, he's created his own brand called Crush the Street, which uh, produces weekly newsletters 
a blog, and a podcast. So it is uh, with great pleasure I introduce to you Kenneth Amaduri to Wealth Formula Podcast. Welcome, Kenneth. Hey, Buck. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to have you. So, Ken, let me, I got to start out with this one. You're 30 years old. When I was 30, I was a broke neurosurgery resident. I was working about 100 hours per week, making about $35,000 a year. Meanwhile, you're a multimillionaire. How'd you do that, man? <laughs> it's great. Well, uh, hey, I, uh, it was one of those things, and I didn't grow up wealthy. I had a, you know, a regular middle-class upbringing. My dad worked hard. Uh, man, I was scrubbing toilets at the age of 15 years old just to pay for uh, karate lessons. I mean, I was just that type of guy that if I wanted to do something, I'm going to go out and do it and, and, and make it happen. And I think that's the attitude people need to have when they want to uh, achieve something. They need to, to learn to, to set a goal and to put themselves up against the wall and to go out there and do it. How many people have goals that just don't, don't follow through or, or say, oh, I'm going to do that, and then they put it off till next week? And that compounds on itself. And it's all about getting out there and doing it and honestly um you know maybe a little fake it till you make it but you know once things start moving i mean you got a real uh real chance of making it that's the difference between people who aren't successful and are it's really not talent it's just getting out there and doing it and i know it sounds cliche but i mean having gone through it having you know st invested and and you know, been a part of successful startup companies and, you know, just being in the, the world of finance, uh, it's about doing it, building that expertise, getting out there and building something that turns into something big. And uh, I know it's general, but man, if you talk to other successful people, it's it's all about action and yeah. you got to be out there. <clears throat> yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think especially when you're talking about, you know, a guy who's 30 years old, um, you know, when you're a lot of people think, well, gosh, I'm 30 now, uh, you know, now I can't take any risks anymore. I got to, you know, I have to stick to my guns. But I mean, that that's just one of those things that I think people um, people have very, very short, uh, you know, they're, they're myopic. They they don't see that, you know, it just takes a handful of years in order to go from knowing nothing about a field to becoming an expert. I mean, I became a um you know, I, I started medical school and four years later, I, you know, I was speaking the language of being a physician. It's no different uh, for any high paid professional, any highly educated professional in how you learn this stuff. And I think you just have to approach it that way. Right. Well, yeah. And when you put yourself out there and start taking, you know, small steps, you don't have, you don't realize it. But sometimes you have those game changer moments. And that's really the difference between somebody who's actually, you know, making a forward progress in their life and someone who isn't, is these people have a game changer. And as long as you keep making forward progress, um, I mean, I, you can almost guarantee that that moment's going to happen and you, you, you leap forward. And for me, you know, I've had just moments in my life where I had chunks of wealth, um, you know, flood into my portfolio because of little game changers. And it wasn't that I was anticipating a big move. It was just a lot of, of repetition and, and taking steps forward. And that's what I would suggest to people. Make forward progress in your life 
and anticipate big things because um, that, that, that happens. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the more you put yourself out there, the harder you work, uh, the luckier you get. So let me, uh, let me shift gears a little bit because I know you're a big, uh, big economy guy. You're, you've got a very good um, perspective on, on what's going on in the world and how that affects the, uh, the different asset classes, et cetera. Tell me when you look at 2018, what the world looks like to you and uh, what do you expect? Uh, what do you expect the markets to do? Yeah, I mean, what a what a big question, right? Yeah. I mean, we're looking at the stock markets at all time highs, and you know, Trump has instilled a lot of enthusiasm into the market. And, right. You know, I tend to I tend to appreciate that. I like that we got Trump instead of Hillary Clinton, and and my gosh, what a disaster that would have been with how corrupt she is. Uh, and I'm not saying Trump is the most uh, perfect guy. I mean, obviously, you know, you got to cringe a little bit when. You know, he starts talking, but man, I, I, the market loves it. And hey, I appreciate that. And yeah. who knows how much confidence he's instilled into entrepreneurs and people with money just because he's in there. He's inspiring the right sort of people to go and invest in the U.S. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that. Um, it's an unintended positive consequence of the Trump economy, as opposed to, let's say, the Obama economy, who got largely welfare recipients and, you know, people that want something from the government excited. Now you have people with money excited about the economy. Having said that, we're looking at a very, man, a, a large bubble across yeah. many different asset classes. And I agree, you know, yeah. we have the stock market at all time highs, financialized assets are, you know, really overpriced. And I see a massive potential for a big correction despite the Trump optimism. And the only thing out there that's really undervalued is precious metals. Uh, you know, we saw cryptocurrency do very well and I, and ahead of that, we, we were covering that largely in 2015, 2016, really hard in 2017. And we positioned ourselves in cryptocurrency. And I think it's going to do great in the longer term. But, you know, certainly gold and silver have yet to make their big move. And if we do see that wealth transfer go from financialized assets to hard assets, mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a big shift. And uh, I'm excited for what that means for, for precious metals because I'm uh, positioned heavily in this market. Yeah. So let me ask you the question that usually I think I think of uh, precious metals, particularly gold, as something that investors tend to flock to when they're worried about the equity markets. And when they think that there's trouble in the equity markets, they flock to gold. So if the equity markets are going to continue to fly, which I think they are, I think the Trump tax cuts in particular are the, the big impetus for the economy, economic growth, uh, for, for the confidence in the economy that small business has. So knowing that, how does, how does that affect a, uh, what I think sometimes uh, could be looked at as you know, a, a, a more of a protective strategy or a hedging strategy like gold when people are so optimistic? Mm. Well, you got to actually look at what's happening. And I, I agree with you. Uh, the Trump tax cuts are, are going to be great for 
the market and it's going to incentivize a lot of business to come into the US. I read some headline in Europe. There's like, oh my gosh, the, the Trump tax cuts, we're going to lose businesses in Europe to the US. And, you know, you, you kind of scratch your head and you go, well, that's kind of the point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what, as far as uh, the what's going on, the dollar has been kind of on a free fall. The US dollar index is what an 88 right now. And there's really not much support for the dollar between 88 and 80. We got some support there. And if we see the US dollar continue to weaken and just some trigger points in the economy, it could, it could instill some sort of black swan sort of panic, uh, especially if we see the US dollar get weaker against the Chinese yuan. And we're seeing that happen. And I could see the U.S. dollar going six to one. And we haven't been that low yet. And that's a problem because China is our number one uh, lender. You know, they lent us $1.2 trillion. But if the underlying currency, the U.S. dollar, continues to weaken, we're going to lose the incentive or they're going to lose the incentive to want to own U.S. dollars if the underlying currency is collapsing. And the economy is very dependent on uh, China letting us borrow, uh, borrow funds to continue on this credit expansion game. I know I'm kind of talking out both ends of my mouth with the optimism of the, the Trump inspiration, but the underlying fundamentals are not good. And unfortunately, I think it might end up falling on uh, President Trump here. And, you know, the media, you know, is going to spin that as his fault. And see, it was capitalism and free markets and tax cuts that caused this. When uh, in reality, I mean, those aren't, that's not the fundamentals of what caused this massive bubble that we're facing. Yeah, it's <clears throat> ultimately it's free money, right? It's interest rates being um, record lows, uh, near zero for a better part of a decade. Um, and uh, when you put that together with the economic stimulus of the Trump tax plan, what we're looking at is, um, you know, a, a real positive for the economy and growth in GDP. And I think the, you know, I was watching, um, I actually posted this on social media. It was a great interview with Ray Dalio. And um, he, he made the comment, which I think is a good one. If you've got money on the sidelines in the next year or two, you're going to look pretty foolish. Mm. And I think that's right. Uh, I think that these balloons are, they are balloons. We all recognize that they are balloons, but they're going to continue. <clears throat> I think they're going to continue the bullish trend, at least for a few years. The problem becomes when that growth becomes such that 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 rates start climbing to to uh, uh, to match it and to prevent inflation, and and that's when I think you could have one of these moments where I think the markets could really turn very quickly. And um, you know his thought was that, or his projection on this was that, um, similar to what you said, that you know look towards the end of the uh, you know this Trump administration where those rates are probably going to have to catch up. Uh, and that could uh, end up putting the, the economy into a pretty significant recession, you know, just in time for re-election. And then you're going to have I'm not a big uh, I'll tell you, I'm not a, I'm not a Trump fan. Um, I am, a, you know, I'm a capitalist. I'm a libertarian, but I, I have significant issues with him. But 
but I, but I think the worst thing that could happen for the economy in general at that point would be the reaction that comes from the Democratic Party, which would probably be Bernie Sanders, and uh, that <laughs> that could be a big problem. He's got so, a good chance of winning. He does. And, uh, he does. I, I really does. I mean, you look at his his support, and I mean, he's just out there. He, the millennials love him. Yep. And he addresses a lot of the problems that are out there in the economy, but his solution is just even more government. Yeah, and no, I agree. Disconnect. I agree. But I think what my point being that if you come to a point where, you know, the proverbial shit hits the fan and it, it, there is a, there's a blame game going on. I think he's going to be the guy. It's not going to be a moderate, you know, moderate center Democrat who's got some fiscal conservatism. It's not going to be a um, I hate to use the word Clinton Democrat because I'm not talking about, you know, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that, but it's not going to be somebody who is uh, center left. It's going to be someone way off mm. to the left. Mm. And, um, and that's just because I think the populist sentiment out there, you're going to either go with the Trump, you're going to go with the Sanders, you're not going to go in the center. So I think that to me, that's a real danger in the economy. Um, and, uh, but in the in the short term, I agree with you. Things are off the hook. I do think that um, my feeling on on precious metals is that it get positioned and it's cheap. And you talk about not only that, but things like uranium, right? I mean, uranium is tremendously depressed right now, and and it's probably the biggest commodity market to you know ready to explode. But but uh, absolutely. Uh, and if I could jump in right yeah, there, sure. uh, precious metals. You know, it's faked this out a few times. Uh, in 2016, it spiked up to 1350. And, you know, we were all under the impression, hey, this is the bull market. This is the start of the bull market. And then going into 2017, we saw it pull down in the, the 1200 range once again. And coming off of the 2011 high of roughly 1900, and then for this five year long, five, six, seven year long uh, bear market, the market needs that much more assurance and confirmation that we're going to the upside, yeah. especially now that we're at 1350. You know, it looks great, but because of our most recent experience, we need more confirmation. And I really think that's going to happen in the 1400, 1450. Of course, those are higher numbers and you got to, you know, come in and, and buy at a higher price if you want to wait till that point. Uh, but I, I don't think there's any risk in buying precious metals now. Um, I think I don't think it's going to go lower or at least much lower. In fact, I think that we're getting close to to really breaking through any sort of technical barriers that you know the market has for us. And when we do, we'll have that confidence start to set in. And if you look at cryptocurrencies, that's kind of like buying Bitcoin in, in 2016 as it was slowly starting to accumulate that right. that stealth rise. <clears throat> I, before we had that con confirmed upside when everyone was jumping in in 2017 and uh, sure it's going higher and even the, the US stock market we're in that confirmed bull market everyone thinks it's going higher and higher and higher we have this con confirmation of a bull market and so uh, I don't we don't have that yet in precious metals but I feel like getting positioned now is like mm -hmm. that early stage where it starts to move higher before we have that confirmed bull market where everyone wants to jump in. And it's all about being early when it comes to investing. Speaking of cryptocurrency, 
Uh, this is obviously a this is a this is an area that you know is gonna has been a huge part of 2017 in the market, and I think it's gonna be a huge part of 18. How do you think that the uh, what is the interplay between uh, cryptocurrency investors and say uh, precious metal stock investors? Well, you know what? The good news is a, there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. Uh, there's some people fight and they argue, but largely it's the same sort of people, people that have gotten into cryptocurrency, at least more of the early adopters, question the government. Yeah. They question the sustainability of all this debt, the fiat currency system, uh, you know, being a sovereign citizen, being your own bank. And how powerful is that? I mean, we live in the U.S. where there's relative stability, Canada, Europe, there's relative stability. But, I mean, you go to South America, you know, the currencies are collapsing and in Venezuela. The percentage increase or the percentage of benefit that somebody gets from having access to cryptocurrency is absolutely huge. You can put your wealth into something like Bitcoin and fly over a 10,000 miles away, 5,000 miles away, and have every dollar of wealth with you. And that's a very powerful thing in a place where there's a lot of currency controls. So uh, a lot of the same philosophical reasons why people like precious metals are the same reasons that people like uh, something like Bitcoin. Mm, and in yeah. some ways, Bitcoin has the best of both worlds in regards to fiat and gold it's it's like the best of both worlds um other than the fact that you know bitcoin is one of those things that in theory can be replaced by another cryptocurrency gold is defined by you know atoms and elements and and that is absolutely finite uh but that shouldn't take away from the value that we've seen move into the cryptocurrency space and how drastically this is going to change things I just came back from the North American Bitcoin conference in Miami. Oh yeah, how was that? It was it was really good. Uh, mm -hmm. There was uh, expected to be four thousand people there. This is the largest conference that Bitcoin or cryptocurrency has seen, and six thousand people showed up. Now uh, maybe that sounds bubblish, <laughs> like a bubble to many people, and and you know it might be signs that things are getting frothy, but the fact is is when you are in an environment with entrepreneurs are incentivized to come up with something and financially incentivized, uh, who knows what is going to rise out of the ashes of the, the blockchain revolution. And there's so many things that are happening and it's really, really exciting. I'm, I'm very optimistic as to what is to come in this really a brand new frontier. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, I'm doing a webinar on, on cryptocurrency this afternoon. And one of the things I thought was interesting, though, and kind of what I was getting at was, um, you know, I am uh, I also play a little bit into the TSX junior mining sector a little bit, um, you know, a little speculative play there. And a guy that I um, that I uh, follow a fair amount, Marin Katusa, uh, was talking about how he, he thought that the that there was a lot of people who play and that TSX market that are overlapped with crypto. And in some regards, he thinks that some of the money from junior mining is getting pulled away uh, from crypto investors. And I thought that was kind of fascinating if you think about how different, you know, fundamentally those things are. But 
from the from the standpoint of of principally they're highly volatile um, they tend to attract you know a very libertarian real asset group even though a lot of people like to say that uh, crypto assets are not real there is something about them, them a lot of them that make them more finite as you said than than fiat and stuff so it's an interesting it's definitely an interesting play you know, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, in 2017, that was largely the year of utility tokens. And yeah. that happened on the mm -hmm. Ethereum blockchain with all of the ICOs that came out and for different utilities. In 2018, I'm thinking, uh, and this is what I've, I saw at the North American Bitcoin conference and you can see what's happening, but in 2018, we're going to see companies tokenize yeah. and yeah. there's going to be a way for equity you know, and this is going to really compete with the TSX and, and other stock markets when companies are tokenizing their equity. Basically, instead of having shares, you buy a token with a company and there's uh, other platforms out there that are making it possible for companies to, you know, be AML and KYC compliant. And uh, when you have a blockchain where people have all their tokens, that can be as transparent as you want it to be. And this is, again, a, a new paradigm for, for what is to come. Yeah. When we have tokenized equity, I mean, what are the traditional brokerages going to do? I mean, this is a whole new frontier that people have yet to wrap their minds around. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that there's no question. There's no question in my mind it's the end of, of investment banking as we know it in two decades from now. And, and I think there's, there's just no role for them. You're taking it, you know, there's, there's no role for having uh, investment bankers when you can have, you know, as you know, um, you know, T zero is a very good, uh, very well-known project did Patrick Byrne from overstock.com. He's sort of starting this whole thing that ultimately is, uh, creating this, um, uh, setting the foundation for creating this, this marketplace that would be, competing with Wall Street and I don't and then you've got companies like Kodak that it's secure you know that that are, are sending out they're creating tokens as well so yeah so now you've got you know what exactly is cryptocurrency what exactly are coins well they're utility tokens and then there's a second play which is stocks so the quicker you can learn about this space the better don't ignore it I think Kenneth and I would both uh, strongly advocate for that mm -hmm. uh. Absolutely. And I think we might uh, end up talking a little bit about just the changing environment and artificial intelligence and just, you know, how quickly things are changing and how important it is to just be in the know when it comes to information, because yeah. that's like mm -hmm. the that's the commodity of the 21st century. It's going to be information. Yep. So you mentioned AI. Uh, this is an area I don't know very much about at all other than having some AI uh, type information that I used for cryptocurrency, but talk about AI technology. This is, uh, you know, the big thing you hear about with, with regard to artificial intelligence is the big question off the bat, you know, is it bad or is it good or bad for society? Elon Musk thinks that it's going to kill off the, the human race. I mean, t tell us about this. I mean, for those of us who don't know very much about it. Sure. Um, yeah, the robots are coming, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're in a situation now, well, the 1900s were a time when machines replaced people's hands. Yeah. 
And the 21st century is going to be a time when, you know, computers and machines replace people's brains. And is this a good or bad thing? And one thing I would remind people of is in the 1800s, agriculture was 80% of the U.S. economy at one point, and machines replaced many people. And now only 2% of the jobs in the U.S. are agriculture, and the rest of the 78% are employed elsewhere. And working side by side with these machines, with new operations and new economic lubricant that has gone through society. And I think that's what people need to look at this as and welcome it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know that Elon Musk has said that, and, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, you know, as far as supercomputers and, and singularity and how, uh, how these machines are, are going to interact with society, and they are getting smarter and they are intelligent. I'll give you an example. Google's AlphaGo AI robot has beat the world's best human at, at the game Go. And just to give you an idea of how big of a deal this is, the game Go is, you know, think of it as like chess or checkers, but it has more combinations of moves than there are atoms in the world. So there's no way to pre-program every move that this machine would do. Unlike, you know, if you remember Chess Master in the, the 90s, that game had a pre-programmed move for anything you did, and it would just react to it. But this machine learned. So they had it play itself like 10 million times to the point where it learned how to play the game and it beat <clears throat> the best human player at that. And that's kind of a scary thing if you think about it, because these how smart can these machines get? Yeah. And of course, we have Stephen Hawking, we have Elon Musk warning us about this. You know, <laughs> if, hum if computers decide that the most efficient way to have traffic, less traffic on the road is to start killing off humans, <laughs> is that going to happen? You know, I, I think it's a little far down the rabbit hole, but uh, I know people are concerned about that. But look, the fact is, is government are what get in the way of jobs. I believe that humans can work with you know, robots and we can't really anticipate what the unintended benefits of having this technology assisting us and how many new frontiers that's gonna create for, for job and a higher standard of living. I mean, look, we're using computers right now to assist us do what we do. You know, who would have thought that we would be working together, you know, across the U.S. and providing value to the world? I mean, that's an unintended benefit of lots of technological advancements that have happened over time. And I think we need to be open minded to uh, what the benefits might be as things advance. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, so so tell me though, how um, how are you playing this right now in terms of an, as an investor? I mean, have you found some interesting plays? I mean, uh, you know, there's not. Um, are there you know specific stocks you're looking at, companies you're looking at? How how do you even get exposure to AI if it's you know if it's such a um, you know significant uh, uh, technology on the horizon? 
Mm. You know, I'll be honest with you, I haven't exposed myself yet to any artificial intelligence company, uh, but it's just something I'm doing more and more research on. And, and I'm sure that's something I'll, I'll get exposure to. But one of the things I can tell you is this is a trend and I believe it's going to be big. And I mean, something off the top of my head, I can tell you is driverless cars. I mean, yeah, that's the number one job in the U.S. It's probably close to the number one job in, in the rest of the world as well is a driver. And what's going to happen to all these displaced uh, humans when there's no longer a role for them to, to drive a car? Um, I guess that's more on the negative side, but I mean, the companies that are at the forefront of this, I'm sure will be poised to, to thrive. And the companies that provide the, the data information and the, the internet connectivities and all of the ancillary businesses that go on with uh, driverless cars, I mean, who knows how many opportunities are just going to be surrounding that one event. And then how important will that be for mitigating traffic in our in our big metropolitan cities if cars are not crashing into one another right. and all of a sudden now mm. someone who wants to to live only or who would only live 15 miles away from work can now live 30 miles away from work because the the freeways now move mm -hmm. you know yeah so you know there's just so many unintended benefits so, uh, Ken, tell me a little bit, tell us all a little bit about Crush the Street. How long have you been doing it? Uh, you know, what is it all about? Well, I started it in 2010, officially in the newsletter business. We started Future Money Trends. And then a year later, we started CrushTheStreet.com. And it was birthed out of the, the financial crisis of 2008, uh, similar to Bitcoin in a sense. You know, uh, it was... The problems that happen, you know, explaining that to people, the distortions in the economy, the problems with just reckless debt and wanting to share how to be financially prudent and to be in front of trends and to just, you know, have a community where we can communicate with one another, share ideas and thrive together because that's what it's all about you know right. we have a limited time here on <clears throat> earth and it's all about maximizing our time it's not about burying ourselves in a hole and preparing for the the end but it's about how do i make the best and the most out of the the right here the right now so you have a newsletter and um and then a blog and how do you how do you sign up for those how do you get access sure yeah if people want to sign up they can go to crushthestreet.com sign up for the the mailing list uh, you could also visit me on youtube at crush the street uh, we got a YouTube channel where we interview different people, people in the precious metal space, crypto space. You've been on my show before. Yeah. That was a great, great podcast. And uh, yeah, so people can follow me there. And uh, we're on Twitter as well at Crush the Street. And it's a podcast as well, obviously. And anyway, well, listen, uh, Kent, this has been really good. Uh, great talking to you. And, um, you know, thanks again for being on the show today. Thank you, Buck, for having me. Uh, come back anytime. I, I really enjoyed it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I uh, hope you enjoyed that discussion. Now, um, another announcement I want to make is, again, I want to point out that WealthFormula.com has got a 
cool new website. This website was actually designed by Phil Chan. Phil Chan is uh, my only employee in Santa Barbara. I've got lots in Illinois, but he's the only guy who's in Santa Barbara, and he is a very, very uh, talented uh, young man. Um, anyway, he, he built this website, and it's cool. One of the cool features about this, by the way, is this feature called SpeakPipe. SpeakPipe is something that is going to allow you to record messages for me. So here's what I want you to do. I would love for you to ask your burning questions on SpeakPipe. I'll record them. Well, Phil will record them because I don't know how to do it. And we will play those questions as long as, uh, you know, there's no profanity, etc. And we'll play those questions and I'll give you live answers. So definitely check that out. Go to wealthformula.com. And uh, the where is it, Phil? Where is it? Is it on the bottom somewhere? The Ask Buck section. Of course, it makes sense to be on the Ask Buck section. But now you don't have to write a letter or, you know, print something out. Just say what you want to say. And I'm going to assume, by the way, that if you ask a question, I can play it on the podcast. So if you don't want to be on the podcast, don't don't record it, okay? And um, anyway, uh, that's it. That's big news, though. So check that out at wealthformula.com. Also, one last note. Again, the economy's hot. We're going to start getting in some deals in Investor Club pretty soon. Um, so if you are an accredited investor and you have not signed up for Investor Club, or if you have signed up for Investor Club, but you have not an, made an appointment to speak with me, you need to do that soon because in order for you to get involved with anything I'm doing uh, for a number of the deals that I'm doing, you actually have to speak with me and get to know me a little bit. And, it, and that's all part of the law that we follow. Anyway, that is it for me this week. This is Buck Joffrey with Wealth Formula Podcast. I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.